this is Jeannie Allen, and welcome to another edition of Reality Check. My guest on this edition is Brian Britton. He's the president and CEO of National Heritage Academies. NHA is a leader in public schools for kids across the country, public schools of choice, uh, often known as charter schools. NHA has programs in nine states serving 58,000 students, just so incredible and hard to believe that in such a short time, so much progress has been made in developing a world-class education group to serve kids. I am so pleased to have Brian on our show, and we're going to talk to him about his leadership as president of NHA, the work they do, uh, a little bit about his founder, J.C. Heisinger, who is uh, an incredible visionary and pioneer that CER will pay tribute to this fall at its 25th anniversary. Uh, but without further ado, let me welcome Brian. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Jenny. Thanks for having me. So, Brian, let me let me start by helping you help us uh, introduce you to our listeners. Uh, you've been with NHA now for just a couple of years. Right, almost two years. Uh, two years. Um, tell me a little bit about where you were, what you were doing before. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm humbled to actually be on this call. Quite frankly, Jeannie, because I'm not an educator by trade. Um, I'm actually on my third career at this point, um, and I'm not going to share my age with you, <laughs> but uh, I, my first career was a military career. I was a Naval Flight Officer after after leaving the Naval Academy, and uh, did that for just under 10 years. Um, had a great time doing that, and then um, I jumped into the kind of the real world, as I would say, and um, went to work for Disney for about 15 years in various capacities in theme park operations, hotels, strategy, etc. cetera. Uh, and then after that, um, moved into a couple of other hospitality roles um, in Chicago and New York, um, and then found myself um, at a place where I wanted to do something that really was going to make a significant impact in the world. Um, not that uh, uh, Disney and the Navy didn't do that. They did for sure. Uh, but I was just looking for something more personal. And I think that was driven by the fact that my wife and I got a late start in, in having kids, and, and we came about kids a, a different way. Um, we ended up being foster parents and then adopting um, three children, um, at a very young age, um, that I knew exactly where they came from um, and and what schools they would have been going to mm-hmm. if uh, if they hadn't ended up, you know, with Brian and Callie Britton. Um, and I just was thinking, boy, that is that is just so not fair um, at all that the these kids, my kids, get a better chance or an opportunity. Um, and other kids don't simply because of uh, where they were born and where they ended up. And so that drove a lot of kind of this kind of new passion for education that, frankly, um, I'd always spent a lot of time in, in academia um, just through my own personal journey, um, but never felt compelled to actually dive into the the pool. Um, the, that in combination with meeting this very interesting, wonderful man, J.C. Heisinga, 
Um, you put the two of those together, and I thought, you know, I feel like this is something that I'm ready to do, and I want to do, and I'm excited about. Fantastic story, and just incredibly inspiring, Brian. And 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 let me just say thank you for being willing to move into the education arena because we need entrepreneurs like you. And that really is as you were talking. And, you know, I know I'd, uh, you and I, you had shared a little bit about your background. We first met a couple of years ago. But as you were talking, the word entrepreneur just kept sticking in my mind. And I've interviewed and had the opportunity, as you have, to meet a lot of great entrepreneurs in education. And, in fact, that's really what – uh, creating new kinds of opportunities and innovations for kids is all about is bringing in thinking and different kinds of attitudes and backgrounds that can help drive um, new ideas and outcomes for kids. And so I think you are, it's perfectly suited. Um, you guys are a, a bit entrepreneurial, if not a lot. Are you not at NHA? We certainly are, and and I think that DNA comes from our founder for sure. And he is an entrepreneur by heart, um, and the, started NHA uh, very entrepreneurially. <laughs> um, literally decided that you know what I have this little boy that was born into my household, his son David, um, and he thought, boy, um, all kids ought to have an opportunity at a great education and and have a choice. But what he did is he uh, decided to do something about it, and he did that and made that decision literally three months before NHA opened their first school, before he opened his first school. So he applied for a charter, got the charter in um, the very last day that he could get it in, and they worked 24-7 to get it done, and then said, oh, <laughs> We actually got approved. And what do we do now? Well, we got we got to build a school. So they did that in less than three months and had a school up and running. And he could not believe that over 120 plus uh, families um, entrusted him, you know, uh, with their kids, and, and that just kind of spurred the growth on to now. As you mentioned, we'll be 87 schools by the beginning of the school year with. Um, almost 60,000 students. You know, and there's a good reason that those parents uh, wanted to be there. I recall when uh, NHA first started and that we were we were in the midst of a content and curriculum crisis in this country. Kids were not being taught to read, write, or spell. It's a little bit better now in some places now, although I'd not say across the board. Uh-huh. This was the days of whole language and inventive spelling, if anybody out there remembers that. Uh-huh. Fuzzy math, the notion of teaching content like great literature and talking about character and virtues was unheard of and that was actually propelling a lot of people towards the charter school movement to say look we we need to provide our kids with a foundation this is not loosey-goosey stuff they're not just showing up to be babysat they're supposed to come learn something and so nha started with core knowledge and this notion of direct instruction is that still the foundation of the schools it 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 really is um now certainly we have um you know, made modifications to our curriculum, and um, we try very hard to make sure that we have the best tools suited that align with, you know, the academic excellence that we're trying to get. But still, there, I think there's really those two, two things. Um, you know, how do we get kids really strong in reading and math first and master 
that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have been laser focused from day one on not just educating the head, but also the heart to create good citizens at the same time. And we do that through our moral character curriculum. Um, and that's a curriculum that's embedded and integrated deeply into all that we do. And we find that um, um, that makes a huge impact, not only in kids' lives, but uh, our parents really have gravitated towards us because of the focus that we put on values. And, and the values are like what? Give me examples. So there are nine, there are nine values that we really talk about, and, and they're really come, they come from the four cardinal virtues, um, and they kind of tear into those. So wisdom is a virtue. Mm-hmm. Perseverance is a virtue. Um, I'd laugh. I'll tell you a quick story. My kids go to one of our schools here, mm-hmm. and they, um, you know, I come home from school one day, and, and we're wrestling on the couch. And, um, you know, I started to get tired. <laughs> like I told you, I had kids late in life. <laughs> like It's a young man's sport. So I started to get tired. I go, okay, daddy's quitting. Daddy's quitting. And my daughter, who seven, says to me, Daddy, you can't quit. You have to persevere. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we teaching our kids? <laughs> that's great. So that's a, that, uh, and then things like compassion, uh, things like volunteerism um, are just important to us. So each month our kids really focus heavy on one, but of course we're talking about them all, all, all year long, and we do that through projects. We do that through um, stories. Uh, we actually have a, a, a curriculum that's based on kind of four books per month, per grade level that the kids go through on these topics. So it's pretty robust. That's fantastic. And um, so I guess the question then becomes, in light of that and uh, successful results, why the pushback? I mean, you know, you started out by telling your journey, Brian, and how you realized that there were these kids who were it not for you and Kelly, would be in schools by their zip code that are largely failing. Yep. Um, and J.C. Heisinger, your founder, saw that. People every day uh, wake up and their chances are limited by where they're bound. So why the pushback? And by pushback, I mean the enormous numbers of people who think there's something really still strange about giving people the freedom to pursue their own education you know Jeannie I should be asking you the same question um, quite frankly who's been doing this a lot longer than I have and I just got to tell you um, and it's embarrassing like I was completely naive to the the fact that there was so much what I call unproductive passion passion is good but unproductive passion is not around this topic like I knew there was some, you know, rhetoric and and political um, discussions behind this, the charter school movement in general, good, bad, whatsoever. But I had no idea to the extent that um, folks really didn't get the fact that everybody deserves a, a better education, and we ought to be doing whatever we can to do that. Um, so I don't know what's driving the pushback, other than maybe some of these political political things. I, I haven't been able to figure that out yet. I can tell you that I'm very disappointed in it. Um, even 
um, an organization that uh, I typically think very highly of. Um, not to call them out, but I guess I am. The NAACP, when, when they came out with their recommendation for a moratorium on, on, on the expansion of charter schools, mm-hmm. I just said, wow, these are the very kids that we're trying to serve, and I'm working, and our teams are working so hard to, to make an impact. And, um, and don't they know that for the most part, the results show that that we're we're doing a good job, not a great job, by the way, um, but we're doing a good job, and and we're giving them so much of a better option. Why, why would we deprive kids from that? Um, and, and and so I got to tell you that that kind of hurt me, mm-hmm. um, just as a person, um, and, and as an African American um, person. Uh, so I don't know how to answer your question. Otherwise, it's just it's disappointing. Well, you know, it's interesting. You may have you may have an- you did answer it, and I think it's uh, a great example uh, when you said the naivete over this sort of unproductive passion. Unless you're in it, it's hard to understand, right? But at the same time, we don't work hard enough. We whether you're a person pursuing policy, whether you're a civic leader, whether, you know, people are busy with their lives. But, Brian, they don't realize the extent to which people are fighting so hard to keep things the way they've always been at this 150-year-old or more uh, public school system, which did great by lots of people, including my dad, mm-hmm. who was impoverished immigrant once upon a time lots of people have the same story nothing Mm -hmm. noble of me saying that but my point is so many people did then still benefit from what's been given them but more do not otherwise right our scores would be but i just think to myself it's lack of information and right and lack of awareness and um once once a parent uh learns what's going on and finds an option they go oh I, i didn't realize it could be better right yeah, and you know what? Um, I am surprised how many times that I talk to people that are in positions of authority that that just have facts wrong. <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm like, let's have a debate, but let's debate it on the truth first. On the basis of facts, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I agree with you uh, there, that, that we, we need to do better. And, and you know what? We, as in NHA, we haven't been great at this, quite frankly, because we we have taken an approach um, that we'll just kind of lay low and, 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 and do well, as well as we can, and try to stay out of a lot of that. Um, but I, I think we're getting to a point where um, it's just getting harder and harder to do that, and, and we're seeing that maybe we ought to be um, telling people more about the truth than we had before. And and that truth would include, I would imagine, the results you've got. So, so tell tell me a little bit about your results. I mean, I've seen them, um, I've heard about them, but give our listeners a sense of, of what you're accomplishing by being sort of an independent public school network. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll first caveat to say that, um, you know, we're proud of the work that we're doing for, for our kids, but... Not in every case. Like we, we do have schools still that, that we know aren't providing the quality of experience that we want them to, to be providing. Now, now thankfully there, there, there's few of our 87 schools, but still that's a few too many. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, um, 
you know, we've been excited to get results. Uh, we had a, a study from, from Credo out of the Stanford's Hoover Institute um, that was just published that showed that, you know, our kids are, are getting an education in the top 84th percentile of all CMOs out there. Hmm. Probably what's more important, as you know about that report, Jeannie, is that's a report that also showed that charter schools in general are, are significantly outperforming um, traditional public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a Michigan study that came out and said we're we're adding um, um, extra uh, six months plus of, of, of uh, additional um, math instruction to our kids. And so there are things like that, that that are telling us we're on the right track. But I always have to say we're not there yet. Um, and, and so much of what we're able to do is um, move kids um, and grow kids, which is important. Um, but, boy, we're still trying to figure out how to grow all kids to be proficient, which, you know, is, is especially hard in the urban communities. It, it, it is. And uh, if you are come at all different varying levels, um, and sometimes it needs more time, but you need to move these kids along quickly, not, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard work. Um, do, you, do you get a lot of people that you have to disappoint and you have to turn away? We do. Um, we do have, um, you know, a, a significant wait list at the at a majority of our schools, um, not at all schools. Um, so, uh, you know, that's uh, disappointing when, when you can't take all kids. Um, but, uh, you know, we're always analyzing, you know, where it makes sense to put new schools and how can we service folks better. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know this. Um, the, and I think this is a good thing, by the way, that the, the number of charter schools that exist now um, <laughs> is surprising. Um, compared to where we were even five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the more choice, the better. They're, it gives parents even different types of options. Maybe, maybe they're not looking for the experience that NHA provides. They, there's something a little bit different that, that, that their kids will thrive and do better in. I think that's all great. Um, but the, what also makes that great is that that's pushing us to, um, continually be better and and to almost compete for students. I think that's a good thing that we compete for students. So where where our schools aren't aren't full, um, it gives us the opportunity to look at ourselves and go, okay, why don't we have wait lists at this particular school? Is there something we need to do differently in order to in order to to drive um, you know parents to our schools and they and parents, regardless of what is out there, parents care about. The, the school that their kids go to, whether they're black, white, whatever, poor, poor whatever, mm-hmm. they care, as you know, um, and 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 they will make choices based on what they think is best for their kids. Uh, but, but I still, you know, but I even get it's interesting. I, I agree with you. Uh, I've seen it. You've seen it. I still hear a lot of people, even those who believe in educational choice saying yeah but not all parents can make those choices and i just shake my head and i go really because i actually know and i've said it before on this program publicly i know a lot of people in uh higher income brackets who make really bad decisions about their kids schools uh including me uh uh, once upon a time and so why do you presume that being poor means you're less capable um, boy, that's just a lot. I mean, boy, we need how many hours on this call to, <laughs> to, to dig into that? And uh, I think there's 
I think there's some racial things hidden behind those mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, I think there's some um, um, very wrong misconceptions about um, income and what that means. Um, um, and then there's there's probably even a bigger problem around what's what's you know get to the source of what's driving some of the income disparity, and it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to do with with choices or intelligence. In fact, right. it does not. <laughs> um, and that, again, that's frustrating. But um, you know that's why you do what you do to help try to change some of those perceptions. Well, thank you. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's always a, it's gratifying. It's always an uphill battle. Tell me, speaking of uphill battles, so legislatures are responsible for creating the laws that allow us to have these charter schools. Um, they're still barely 6% of public schools across the country. Most mm-hmm. laws in the, what, 44-plus states vary greatly. Mm-hmm. And we're talking 27 years in the charter school movement, 25 years in for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. What's the impediments at the legislative level, Brian? What do, what do you, do you have spent a lot of time talking to lawmakers and, and what do they most need? And what do people listening need to, need to know when they talk to these guys, when they talk to their representatives? So a lot there, but lots of questions about yeah, policy yeah. legislation. Uh, I, I, you know, as you know, we do spend quite a bit of time um, trying to talk to our legislators and influence them. Um, I think the first thing I mentioned already is the facts and 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 the truth. Uh, it's something that they need to hear. Uh, the thing that we haven't done as great of a job at, but uh, are looking to improve in, is I think they need to hear less from us, like me and you, Jeannie, for example, mm-hmm. and more from parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a place that. Um, um, we probably need to put some more energy and effort in just arming our parents so that they know. And, and, and because, you know, these legislators, they know who gets them voted into their offices. Uh, so those are two, th- two things that I think we, we could do um, and, and should do a little bit better. And then the other thing I think, and, and, and this is something that we've been talking about, is we, we probably go to our legislators a lot around um, funding issues, for example, um, and maybe um, some of the limiting um, you know, regulation that seems to have crept up recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we ought to be just be going to them um, to, to walk and talk with us and, mm-hmm. and not ask all the time. That's um, a great point. And, and and so that's something that we're trying to think about as well here. It's a great point because I you know I firmly believe, regardless of one's ideology, anyone who runs for office is doing so out of an interest to dedication, and that they um, they want to do right. And they yes, obviously a lot of people run knowing the issue that they want to fix, um, particularly nowadays. So that's kind of more and more happening. But most of the time. They're not informed, regardless of their party or their ideology. They're not informed about what's happening. I mean, I remember, you know, sitting years ago in um, the state legislature in Philadelphia with a state rep named Dwight Evans, African-American Democrat from Philadelphia, 
and I describe him in detail because he was anything but an education choice or charter school supporter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and over time, he was informed. He felt vested. He became the sponsor with then Republican Governor Tom Ridge to create the program. And you know what he said? Now he's a congressman. And you know what he said? He said, Tom Ridge was different from any other governor. He actually called me up and asked me to come sit down and just talk to him. He Mm. he goes, he asked me to come have a sandwich. And I'll never forget him saying that. He just went and have a sandwich with Governor Ridge. And he just wanted to talk to him. And um, he wasn't BSing him. He really did want to know, like, what are you thinking? And why don't he wanted to know him? Right. And we don't want to get to know people today. We just want to assume we want to type cast, stereotype, limit, and... Um, and push our agenda at any cost. Push our agenda, and what it, who it hurts is it hurts our kids who need to become adults, who need to be independent, who need to drive this country forward, and I think that you know kind of comes full circle if we can give them options like yours that actually also impart not just education but values. Mm-hmm. Um, it says a lot, but you know, for every person who goes through one of your schools, there's... How many hundreds that don't even know such a school exists to be able to to galvanize, right? Right, right. So, so what does the future look like then for, in your estimation, Brian, for a National Heritage Academies, for charter schools? Is it is it charter schools that are the goal, um, or is you know what is it? I I personally don't believe that um, charter schools are the end goal. The charter schools happen to be a good solution um, for many things, for many people. Um, I love, I, I hope that choice always um, is part of our education system. And, but um, I, I'm looking forward to the day when traditional public schools, charter schools, private schools, they're all performing at such high levels where the, the the choice that parents are making is really around, you know, what what are the nuances that I want my kid exposed to? Do I want them exposed to religion? Do I want them exposed to more STEM? Do I want them exposed to kind of more philo- a more philosophical type of education? Um, that, I long for that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one can dream, right? Right. Um, but here in the in at this point, to your point, at six percent. Um, I'm actually really uplifted by the impact that, you know, charter schools are making. It's amazing that there's this much rhetoric around something that's 6%. Yeah, that's, a, um, that's a really great, that's a great point. And, and you know what, things that um, have a lasting impact uh, often do start out smaller. Um, right. and they're disruptive. You know, small disruptions oftentimes um, bring the giants down, like they like they did in business, as you know. Right. Um, and I just think that uh, I think it's fascinating, and again, inspiring that um, you know someone who graduated from the Naval Academy and um, was a leader in the Navy, and then uh, a major company like Disney, that we have the benefit of having you there, and that together with J.C. Heisinger, your founder. Um, and the great team you have at NHA, you're thinking about these things because there's a million other things and probably a lot of other jobs that you could have. Um, and a lot of people don't think that way. You don't have to wake up every morning and get beaten up, <laughs> but you choose to do it for a cause. Well, um, 
I'll first say thank you, even though I'm not sure um, all that I deserve that. But what I really would say is I throw that back at you in spades. Um, because if anybody is out there um, getting beat up every day and, and fighting the fight for, for, the, for choice and, and for the betterment of education, um, you're certainly doing that. And by the way, thank you for honoring um, JC um, at the uh, uh, at the upcoming event in Miami. We're excited. Um, we're going to come down in droves. By the way, oh, I'm so glad. Yes, I I am so excited. And you know, and and again, part of part of this series and part of this podcast is to highlight the great people and the great organizations doing the work out there that oftentimes don't make it onto the front pages. They're not in the books. Um, the challenges that our listeners have every day with their kids, their grandkids, their neighbors, their schools, um, their dreams and hopes are um, are being addressed by by so many and it's such a it's like it's a privilege to to work on it and so we're happy that NHA and JC himself have agreed to participate we can't wait to honor him he is truly a pioneer leading the way and paved the way for not just the not just the 58 almost 60,000 kids you have but actually for hundreds of thousands more because a lot of people don't realize that uh, the folks who go in first and take the arrows uh, make it a lot easier for other people to to start and 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 be better. So um, I hope you I look forward to seeing you in Miami on October 26th for our 24th anniversary summit. Um, for all of you listening out there, you can get more information, obviously, about this event at edreform.com and follow me at, at Jeannie Allen on Twitter. But more importantly, to the point, my guest on Reality Check uh, has been Brian Britton, President and CEO of National Heritage Academies, and their work, which is amazing, can uh, be, uh, you can be more informed about their work at nhaschools.com. Follow them on Twitter, and uh, don't forget to tune in again. And Brian, thank you so much for spending this time and doing what you do for kids. You're, oh, thanks, uh, thanks so much. You're great. Great to spend time with you. Appreciate it. Reality Check is a weekly podcast produced by National Review and posted on Monday at nationalreview.com. If you like what you heard in this podcast, and I hope you did, you might want to subscribe for free and make sure you don't miss any future programs. You can subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. And you can also find much more about education reform, opportunity, and innovation at the Center for Education Reform's website, edreform.com. Don't forget, tune in to Reality Check every week. <laughs>